Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we are here today with a very special show. Um, we're here with Susan Maycock, um, who is, uh, the her business is called Living Upward, and she is the author of After Rain. Um, Susan is an inspirational speaker, an artist, a shaman, and a spiritual seeker. So welcome, Susan. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, so, Susan, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Oh, okay. Who I am. Huh. I know it's always a big question to start with, it but is. I figure why it not? Let's, let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's different than what I do. <laughs> uh, I guess I would consider myself uh, a pioneer, a rebel. Uh, someone who is an outside-the-box thinker um, and a seeker of wisdom and truth. Oh, and I must add, too, an elder. I consider myself an elder. Uh, so that's who I am. And uh, what I do is, as you said now, uh, at this point in my life, I'm an author. I'm an inspirational speaker. And I lead the uh, Living Upward movement. And that's what I do. But what I've done, uh, all the things that I've done really in the past 40 to 45 years, um, all come together to make me who I am now. Uh, they're, all, they're all relevant. Uh, I worked in mental health as, in, as a counselor in mental health. Um, I was a trainer and consultant, a fine art photographer. Uh, I, I am a practicing shaman. Uh, I am a sound healer, a cranial sacral therapist, and now an, an author. And um, I've kind of returned to um, the idea of, of, of trying to reach many people instead of individuals in, in um, private sessions. I'm now feeling that what I need to be doing is reaching out to to larger audiences and just giving people ideas and ways of thinking and feeling and being around living upward. And was there something in, in particular that really sparked wanting to expand and reach a wider audience? Was there was there something inside of you in particular that that sparked that? Uh, it was kind of knowing that that was what was coming and it's, it's, I've, I've done group, group work my entire career from group counseling to consulting and training and teaching photography and, um, teaching journeying to, uh, those who wanted to learn more about the shamanic practice. And so if you, if, if we look across my career, it's always been about reaching out to people and empowering them. 
um, helping them to develop the a path forward to their own healing. I was going to say giving them skills. I guess to some extent they are skills, but but helping people to kind of go inward to to address what it is that um, they've been carrying that isn't working for them anymore and help them to to uh, move forward and find uh, you know a greater sense of well-being and empowerment. And that's always been at the root of what I do. And I guess I find myself wanting to do that again since I wrote this book after rain. It seemed like, wow, I had something important to say and it feels worthy and necessary to share. And the the book after rain that you wrote, um, the photography is all yours inside of the book, correct? Yes, all but the the uh, two pictures of me, one when I was about two years old <laughs> and one now, but uh, yes. I saw that uh, one with a, with your your brother was trying to take away your brother, watering yes. can and you were yes. you were screaming. <laughs> it was a very charming little black and white photo. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, it was sort of a um, a keeper in the family. I mean, it, people always had comments about that photograph over the years when they saw it. So anyway. yeah. Well, photos tend to be, you know, when when they're capturing real moments rather than just kind of the the standing there and smile. I think those ones always, uh, you know, touch people. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, when you look back at a family photograph, you see something too. It or if the family remembers that photograph, and there becomes an identity around that. And there was a there was a belief system about who I was that went with that photograph. And uh, it's just interesting to return to that and say, well, wait a minute. All these years later, eh, maybe that belief isn't true. And that's part of what um, addressing um, who we are and where we're going and the whole living upward movement is about, too, questioning our belief systems. So, yeah, so tell us a little bit more about uh, what what does living upward mean? What is, what is that concept, that idea that's that that is at the heart of your business? Well, it's, it's a practice, number one, and it's a movement. It's not something that we accomplish or, or ever would want to complete. Um, it's, it's, about, uh, it, it's really about two things. It's about, well, it's about much more than that, I guess. But, but fundamentally, at a fundamental level, it's about going inward and, and discovering more about who we are from becoming still and becoming present, uh, opening our hearts, being present with our heart, quieting our minds, uh, and, and, and discovering more about our true nature, you know, wh- who we came in as, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and beginning the process of questioning what prevents us from, from being that true, true self, uh, that wise and noble and kind uh, and um, compassionate soul that all of us are. And we find that a lot of times it relates to what we believe, what we think, how we judge others, but most importantly, how we judge ourselves. And uh, so the living upward process is 
is that going inward and and beginning to explore that in 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 kind of in a very safe way and then as we discover more about our true self our wise self um our compassionate self then we can bring that out into the world we can express that into the world and it changes how we relate to others changes how we think about the world um it changes the choices we make and in generally <laughs> not generally in 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 reality what happens is that's how we live upward we make choices that are are beneficial to um to the whole to the all of people and 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 to the earth i mean we 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 make different choices when we come from from this place of wisdom and um and we relate to others generally with more compassion we relate to our world with more gratitude and so as we do these things it changes how we live it changes what we give it changes what we get back and life becomes bigger than just us it becomes um larger than just our own lives and so the living upward is this uh that was a long answer it's the process of of going inward and discovering more about who we are opening up to who we are and then expressing that into the world and so and you mentioned that one of the the beginning the key pieces in the beginning is really finding stillness Mm-hmm. What what is the role in finding stillness in in going inwards? Stillness is what allows us to be present in the moment. And everybody goes, "Okay, I know I should just like pay attention to what's going on now." But it's more than that. It's like it's when we become still, it means in large part making allowing our minds to become still. that's where all our busyness comes from that's where all the commotion comes from and um when we can quiet that then we can we can we can begin to experience our moment with our senses uh you know we can we can we can hear and taste and smell and and kind of write ourselves in the world in a in 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 a way that we don't when our mind is turned on so it's this the the stillness comes from the quieting of the mind and then when we do we can be present in the moment and then the next thing we want to do is say oh you know like i'm here i accept this moment just as it is this is amazing just being present with this moment and so there's there's a being still a being present and and an acceptance that happens first and then once we do that then we're open to mm we open up to our to a new level of beingness almost like it's a higher frequency let's talk about energy um yeah we can we can then begin to function at a higher frequency uh, and that then allows us to yeah take that frequency into the world you know it just like it's just like we just send it out and then yeah. we attract higher frequencies back that's right i like how you break that down into three steps though of like the stillness and then you know kind of followed by like 
the acceptance, right? Like I remember in my early twenties, I was like, you know, living in Brooklyn, which is just a very busy place in general and a lot kind of coming at you at any given time. Um, but I remember having like, it was early on in my own meditation practice. And I remember just walking up the street and like having this moment of clarity and really feeling very peaceful and calm and just having a few moments without thoughts. And I remember being like, Oh, I wish I could be like this all the time. And then one second later, I was like, no, I would be really boring if that was me like immediately so I, I like that you had said like okay there's and then the acceptance happened because at, at that point I was able to get still but I still wasn't feel, fully able to accept that there was a, a piece of that you know that needed to be still and you know recognizing that part mm-hmm. so anyway. I think that's the that's the you know the ego jumping in and saying oh well this just hanging around being still is kind of a boring thing to do <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> It's, it's just it's just another one of those distractions. But one of the things you said that's really important that I emphasize over and over is that living upward is a practice. Um, it's it's not something we're trying to achieve. It's something we're just trying to practice. And 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 part of living upward is accepting that it's a practice, and that it doesn't always work out. You know, our mind does get in the way. And okay, so it's it's about forgiving ourselves for that. You know, like we didn't do it this time. That's all right. You know, there's there's compassion and forgiveness in a practice, and um, and, and it's important to to acknowledge uh, that it's it's never going to be perfect. It's not supposed to be really. It's part of being human is being being on this journey. <laughs> so. And it is human. Yeah, yeah. We're human. We're allowed to be human, make mistakes, and all the, the grittiness that comes along with that. Um, and if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Susan Maycock. Um, and, and Susan, you you the significance of, of the spiral kind of keeps coming up a lot in your website and in your writing. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the role that the spiral plays in your life and your, in your work and your healing journeys and, and just all over the place? What is, what is the spiral to you? <laughs> uh, well, let me just relate it to living upward and then, then, then back up to, um, you know, what it, other ways in which I perceive it, but living, living upward, this is, is, as I said, it's, it's, it's the spiraling inward and then spiraling outward into your life and then spiraling inward again in, 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 in being still um, being with yourself and then expressing it in the decisions you make, the choices you make, the, the interactions you have, you know, so you take it out into the world and then you receive back and then you go in again. And so it's this spiraling in and, and spiraling out into the world and then back in. And if you think about it, it's, it's, it's the seasons too, you know, the, the Native Americans think of time, not think of time, embrace time as, as not a linear function like we do, but as, as, a, as a circular function and really as a, as a spiral. And I mean, the seasons are, are a perfect example of that. I mean, here we are in the height of summer where everything is in, 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 in fullness and everything is bursting out and everything's being offered out into the world here, pick my fruit, you know, and, and um, you know, and 
cut my flowers, you know, and put them in a vase, you know, mm-hmm. like the world is the, the earth is just, you know, just begging us to do, um, to fill up. And, uh, and then we get into fall and everything starts to die away. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we harvest the parts of the plants that we can eat and then we till the rest of it into the soil and then we go into winter and everything's very still and you know just calm and quiet and inward until the seeds that have taken root in the ground begin to do that develop their roots and spring forward into spring you know so it's this cycle of coming in and then growing outward and fulfilling oneself and then coming back in again. And it's and living upward is the same thing. It's the same spiral. Um, and spirals are everywhere, everywhere in nature and in the natural world and in sacred geometry. Uh, our DNA is a spiral. Um, you know, so they're everywhere. A child being birthed, you know, spirals into the world. You know, that, that whole body is turning as it, as it, as it moves through the canal and, and, and emerges onto the earth. It comes in a spiral. So they're everywhere. Um, so, and I think, it, I think of myself sometimes as, you know, as, as being held by a spiral. And the spiral goes down into the earth and, and, and grounds itself. And then the spiral pulls me upward and elevates me. And, uh, you know, so... I don't know. I, I, it's just, I think it's the way energy moves. I think it, that's how energy moves in our body all the time. In spiral form, it's never in a straight line. So how, how did you fall into this work? I know you, you said that you've been doing this work for 40, 45 years. What, what lured you into the, the healing arts and, and uh, what, what, start, what started you on this journey? Hmm. I, you're, you know, how did, how did I fall into this work is, is kind of a good way to put it, because I think we all kind of uh, partially, partially choose and partially what we need shows up. <laughs> uh, and I think it was some of both for me. But uh, I, I was I was drawn to counseling that started in college, actually. And I was always interested in how the brain worked. And so instead of being a scientist, which I pursued for a while, I ended up in counseling. And um, I think my intention was was to be helpful to others. But I think anyone in the counseling field would have to admit, anybody who's in, the, in, a, in a healing kind of field will have to admit that they're in it for themselves too. Um, and... It, you know, we all have we all have stuff from our past. You know, belief systems. Like I said, there was a I had a belief around that picture of me and my brother struggling over a watering can and me screaming my head off. Um, this is from the book uh, um, After Rain. Uh, and you know, so there there are beliefs we have about ourselves. There are traumas we've experienced. There's challenges we've faced. There's things that have happened to us, and uh, I think we're all on a. Well, I think that's we're all on a journey to resolve it. And I chose 
the journey that would take me into helping others and caring for others as I did that for myself too. So that's kind of how I got into it. I think I was curious. I was brave enough to do it. Um, and uh, I was ready to figure out what all these stories of, of um, that I was carrying around uh, from my life, I was ready to face them and let go of them and, you know, uh, take better care of, of me, the, the truer me. What, so. what was the story around the watering can? What was the belief system that you had mentioned that kind of developed in the family <laughs> around that, that photo? What, what belief system sank into you? That um, it's, it's too bad I can't show the picture. Um, I'm in a playpen and holding onto a watering can that I think it's my watering can. And my brother's obviously he's pulling on the other side of it outside the the playpen, and um, and I'm not willing to let. I'm screaming, and all I ever saw over the years, and all that the family ever kind of laughed about was, you know, that I was a big crybaby. And when I really studied the picture, I realized, oh, I was, you know, like my legs were spread, my knees were down, I was holding on with all my might. I was determined. You're and tough. You're a tough baby. Right. I was determined <laughs> not to let go of that can. And, um, you know, so for a lot of years, it was sort of seeing myself as the victim, you know, the victim of the big brother and, uh, you know, of not being, you know, not getting what I wanted, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and so it occurred to me that, you know, what victimization is something that we, you know, that we all experience and can get caught up in as, as a way that we see ourselves. And so <clears throat> when I, you know, really studied this picture and started thinking more about it, I, I, I wrote about it and I wrote, you know, in, in, in my book about letting go of the watering can and letting that be a metaphor for letting go of the beliefs I had about myself, um, the belief that, you know, somehow I was a victim. And if I could just let go of that watering can, I could let go of the, the whole struggle. And it's something we can do every day. We can let go of watering cans. We're all in struggles with somebody. You know, we're resisting something or judging somebody or thinking we're not getting what we need or what we want. Um, or we have some expectation that's just not being met. And really, it's just a watering can, you know, that we're holding on to with somebody else. And if we can just let go of it, oh, you know, everything changes. All of a sudden, there's some distance from that relationship with that person. And it no longer is a struggle because nobody's holding on to Well, I'm not holding on to the watering can anyway. It only takes one and, person to let go. Right. And so then perspective can, a space opens up around everything. All of a sudden there's space. And in that space is the opportunity to decide to be someone else. I don't exactly mean someone else, but to be true to yourself and, and then make decisions based on that. So in being true to myself, I let go of the watering can. I'm not a victim anymore. Oh, well, wait a minute. That Who am I then? Oh, 
I'm just a, I'm I'm just a compassionate person who's not holding a grudge against this other person. Oh, well, that means I can I can choose how to relate to that person differently now, and how to relate to myself differently. So, so how, how did you learn to let go of that watering can, metaphorically and maybe literally? <laughs> well, again, it's a practice. I don't always do it, <laughs> but I. I, I now know how, and if I can take those moments to be still and to remember who I really am, you know, that I'm really this compassionate person who doesn't need to hold on to the watering can, uh, then in that moment, I can make a different choice. And the more you practice, especially with the easy things, uh, Easy things like what? Easier thing. Well, like if I'm just um, oh, just annoyed with a friend because you know she keeps texting me and I'm tired of getting texts. I'm just making that up. Um, and <laughs> you're probably talking about me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an obsessive texter. <laughs> I'm actually talking about me. You know, like I said, you know, like oh, anyway, you know. So, but I'm, I'm just trying to get at something simple. You know, like so I'm annoyed about that. You know, that's a simple thing compared to, you know, any feelings I hold about my brother still about you know like him being a big bully or something. You know, and I'm making that up too. He's not. Um, but you know, that's a that's a. And that's a big kind of uh, big one to unwind. And the other one's a little one to unwind. And I think the more we practice on the little ones um, and have success there, the big ones get easier and they almost get obvious. And, uh, it, you know, and it's just, it, it just kind of becomes like, wow, all of a sudden, you know, you're you're making a choice from a compassionate place when you weren't yesterday. You know, you didn't even think about it because it's what you practice on the easy ones. You know, just like learning a new, you know, learning a new computer skill or something. You know, like if somebody just sat you down and you had to figure out, you know, everything there is to know about Zoom. You know, you'd be like tearing your hair out, but. Somebody just shows you how to get on, respond to an invitation, you know, so you, you start with the easy things and, um, and you see what it feels like and it feels like incredible, you know, simple, simple and profound at the same time. So now in, and on your website, you mentioned that in, in your workshops, you say that everyone will experience an aha moment um, and that are waiting in plain sight. What is, what is this all about, this kind of aha moment that's waiting in plain sight? It's it, it, the perfect question to follow up for, to, you know, what I was just what I was just saying, you know, even practicing something simple. All of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. I have a choice. Oh my gosh. You know, you think about sometimes you go, Oh my God. And you throw your hand on your forehead and say, well, Oh my gosh, I never realized that. Or wait, it seems so simple. Of course I knew that, you know, an aha moment is just like this big, huge, profound truth that comes to you in the simplest way. And you go, Oh my God, you feel like your whole life just shifted something, something just, made sense in a way it never made sense before. And then you go, but wait a minute, it's so simple. I, 
I knew that. I really already knew that. And it's because you did. And you just forgot. You know, so the aha moments are those big, profound realizations about about yourself primarily. And then again, how that fits in with who you are in the world. And, and they're also obvious. And they're obvious because you did already know them. You just got sidetracked by all those, that busy brain, that busy brain that has set up all these ways of thinking about the world that help keep you safe in the world. You know, that's what busy brains are. You know, they, they help us feel safe in the world, you know, by judging others or um, being critical or keeping ourselves busy or saying, oh, this, oh, I'm bored, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it just kind of keeps us from, you know, going in and discovering, like I said, what we really already know. We've just kind of forgotten. So in, in facilitating workshops along the way with the kind of living upward principle and a lot of these kind of spirals and, you know, really uncovering our belief systems and going inwards. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about what the workshops look like, the process that you bring people through, um, or just, you know, kind of just generally explain a little bit about um, what, what an expanded session looks like? Mm. Yeah, this, this has been. What are people is, in for, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, after I after I wrote my book, After Rain, or when I was writing it, I I had no idea. Well, first I had no idea I was going to write a book, and then I had no idea this was the book I was going to write, and then I had no idea that it was going to turn into um, sort of a foundation for building this movement of on um, of living upward. Uh, so it's a it's a process that's still unfolding, but the way the way I have presented it and um, and, and continue to explore it and figure all this out is it's based on it's based on four principles that I think are are integral to a life of living upward. And they are living with intention, connecting with compassion, giving with gratitude, and participating in a life larger than our own. And so it's almost like looking at the, the skills. Again, it's a kind of a weird word to use when, when we're talking about this. But what are, the, what are the practices, that's really a better word, that help us to live with intention, create, um, connect with compassion, give with gratitude and participate in a life larger than our own. And those are, those are discovering that um, we can, can, we can learning how to be compassionate. You can, you can learn what it is that's interfering with you knowing that. Um, How do we, how do we vibrate with gratitude? How do we live with gratitude? How do we experience awe? How does generosity fit into this? How does courage fit in and resilience? And, um, you know, so there's, there's a body of, of, of um, practices that allow us and, and endow us um, to live upward. So 
so what I what I do what I've discovered is that there for me there's an order to them, and so I've created a series that that helps us practice. Some of the skills are going inward, you know, go spiraling inward, and then some of them are spiraling outward and then back in. So there's there's the practice of being present. There's the practice of of discovering and deciding who you want to be, you know, and then there's the practice of making choices about who you want to be and then deciding what actions follow as a result of that. Okay, so that's a little confusing. So if if I want to be... If I am compassionate and I, and I go inward and, and connect with that frequency, I remember it because it's already there. Remember, aha moments are just like, oh, just remembering. So I remember what it's like to be compassionate and I feel it. I don't think about it or define it, use words to describe it. I actually go to an experience of it inside of me and I know it. And then I choose to be that as I re-enter my life and I come out of this inwardness to the outwardness and I choose compassion and then I offer it. I learn to, to see how do, how, do, how do I stand before someone and be compassionate with that person? And then what happens when I do? What comes back to me? You know, and I offer that frequency and that that knowingness and that that wonder of compassion. What comes back to me? So it's it's so we do that with intention. We do that with compassion. We do that with gratitude. We look at balancing our lives. How do we bring balance into our lives? Um, and so there's this sequence, which ends with meaning and purpose. How do all of these create meaning and purpose in our lives? How do they contribute to a greater good, um, something larger than ourselves? And, and we do it in really simple ways. You, we, I, I take everybody through this exercise of, of, um, with generosity, you know, first feeling gratitude, then expressing that gratitude as generosity, whether it's the generosity of just having a thought about somebody or words or actually giving something. And then what does that inspire in the other person? You know, what is that experience of receiving our gratitude cause in the other person? And and what everyone discovers is it, it causes another act of generosity that comes back towards us or to someone else. And we've created another spiral, a spiral of giving and receiving. Mm, I love that. Which is where purpose and meaning comes from. At the root of purpose and meaning is giving and receiving, giving and receiving love. Yes. Um, so, uh, Susan, you've mentioned your book, After Rain. Um, would, you be, would you be willing to, to read an excerpt from your book or, or share a little bit um, from, from this this you know, really beautiful book that you, you wrote, which has your, your photography, your fine arts Mm -hmm. photography in it. And, um, 
We definitely uh, have been perusing it uh, for the last couple of weeks. So um, I'd love if you were willing to, to share a little, little bit of your writing. Sure. Uh, I would be happy to. The, the title's a little unusual, um, After Rain. And I thought maybe what I would do is read the narrative in, in the book about After Rain. The, the, the book, just by way of explanation, is a collection of, of narratives um, that I think of, they're, they're prose, but they have kind of a poetic, metaphoric um, element to them. Uh, and After Rain is certainly... Uh, fits in that category. And this one is about, is really about gratitude and generosity, what we were just talking about. <clears throat> so I'll read this. Um, first I have to put on the right glasses. <laughs> uh, after rain, for a decade, I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in the high desert of the Rocky Mountains, 7,000 feet above sea level. It's a magical place where abundance and scarcity live side by side creating unsurpassed beauty. Oxygen is scarce and water is too, but the sky is enormous in the landscape a vast rainbow of vibrant and subtle colors. Rain, although infrequent, shows up in abundance during the summer monsoons, quenching the thirst of the earth and all of her inhabitants. In the wild west, rain is a true blessing, an answer to prayers and an honored spirit who brings vitality and renewal to all. After rain, everyone expresses true reverence for the gift she has bestowed. Scarcity gives way to promise, and we all are awash in abundance. Flowers become vibrant, birds sing, animals play, pines sense the air, and we humans, drenched to our skins, dance and laugh in the downpour. Each action is an expression of gratitude and carries with it the impulse to give in return. This is the very nature of gratitude. In its truest expression, it is reciprocal. After rain falls in the desert, I am humbled by the generosity of her spirit, for I have received all that I need. And in turn, I choose to act in kind, offering what is uniquely mine to give. My bounty is part of the one bounty we all share. And as I participate, giving and receiving over and over again, I am, like the rain, essential to the greater good, the abundant spirit of life that generates well-being for all. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you. Now, when you were writing this book, um, because it is sort of a pairing of the prose and your photography, did you write the prose and then match the photo? Did you meditate on the images? How did it, how did that kind of come together? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> You're like all of the uh, above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, uh, mostly the, I did the writing and went back to my images. And in some cases, I was, as I was writing, it just became clear what the image would be. In some cases, oh, maybe I changed what I wrote a little bit to uh, better fit the image. Um, I don't, I don't know that there were any that I wrote that I knew what the image I wanted to use and then wrote. I don't think so. I think they all, all started with the writing. Writing was new for me. I've never, I've never written a book. 
And I can't um, say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I can't. And uh, and and I'm surprised. I, I I was at first surprised. I did, and I saw it initially as as a much smaller endeavor than it turned out to be. And when it was all done, and I held it in my hands. I knew this was the book it was always going to be, um, but I didn't know that to start with. I probably would have panicked and <laughs> <laughs> uh, not done it. But once it was done, it was like this: this was what it was. It was always going to be, and it and and I wrote it as a gift of gratitude, and and my hope is that that people who 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 receive this book uh, and however that happens. Um, whether they purchase it or it's given to them, that they that they feel in turn um, like they want to give it, or they want to give something. You know that it it it, it inspires this whole um, cycle I described of giving and receiving. You know that it that the books serve that purpose for people of of being a gift of gratitude, yeah. whether they receive it or give it. Yeah. And it's it's quite a sizable book too. It's a good coffee table size book. And um I read uh on one of uh some of the reviewers and one of your review- reviewers said that she uses the book as sort of an oracle, which I thought was really charming, like a daily oracle. Um so that's it's kind of a fun way to to flip through and sort of see what what messages come out for the day and in the spirit of gratitude. Yeah. And when I wrote it, I I felt that I was writing in um, almost in code, that encoded in each of the narratives are different layers. And when you read it one time, something may speak to you and another time something else may speak to you or someone may read it and, and have their aha moment and someone else may say, that's nice and move on to the next one. You know, so there's... They're they're coded <laughs> with layers of information. That's and very interesting. I'm going to have to go back and read it again. <laughs> yeah, just open to any page. I mean, that's uh, the oracle idea. I think is wonderful to just pick it up and 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 open it and um, and explore. Um, and so, uh, so you have the book, um, and I know that that's any, if people are curious about that, um, and want to learn a little bit more, you can always go on to susanmaycock.com. Um, that's M as S U S A N M A Y C O C K.com, susanmaycock.com. Um, and so there's a lot more information about the book, um, on your site. Um, do you have any, do you have any events coming up, Susan? I know that the pandemic has sort of turned everyone's life upside down. Um, but what have, what have you got going? on professionally right now what what's uh what are things looking like uh things yes obviously did slow down for a while but of, of course with zoom it, it has opened other ways of of thinking about how to reach people and i have done uh the entire living upward series uh once through through an organization though so it wasn't open to the public and i have another one of those coming up in september and I'm hoping to open one to the public in September also, uh, but they will all be done on Zoom for now. And actually it's it's turned out to be um, kind of a nice, nice forum. It's nice for people to get together, but it's also kind of nice to be in your own space when you're reflecting on some of these things. So it's, it's actually worked out really well. Um, 
And uh, during this upcoming month, I'm I'm exploring ways to uh, have a presence on social media on a regular basis. You know, whether it's through a podcast or some videos or live chats. Um, but this is all all new and I'm exploring it and I will keep everyone posted um, as to what that is. But I, I do have a Living Upward page on, on Facebook if people are interested in, in just keeping keeping up. And also certainly people can come to the website and join the mailing list to learn about anything that I'm doing um, and just to get ideas. Because to me, this is... I guess it's a business. <laughs> it appears to be turning into a business, but to me, it's really about reaching people and um, creating a movement, both an internal movement, moving your energy, you know, and 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 finding deeper wisdom uh, through your own spiraling. But it's also about bringing people together and uh, and. And in practicing and building on this and creating creating greater good, really. Uh, so, and um, Susan, do you have any any last words of wisdom as we um, to throw out into the universe as we are coming to the top of the hour? Hmm. Well, when when everybody leaves this session, you know the next decision you have to make today. Uh, make it with your heart and not your head. That's my suggestion. I love it. I will. I will try so, that. So make a decision <laughs> with your heart and not your head. Good. I have a. I have a decision that I need to make. So maybe I, uh, that's a good reminder for me to to sit with it in my heart before I uh, before I, I fully make that decision. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so thank you so much for, for coming on this, on the show, Susan. Um, you know, if you're, if you're just tuning in and you want to catch more of, of what Susan Maycock, um, had to say, um, the show will be reposted in about a week, um, on, if you go on to reikinorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives, um, or if you're a podcast listener, you can always go on, um, to Apple or Google or wherever and find, uh, the energy matters podcast it has a little starburst logo. So, um, so don't hesitate to, to go back and, and check out the show another day. Um, and all my pa uh, past archives for the energy matters show is, is all on there as well. Um, but thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and sharing what you do. And, um, it's really, uh, it's, it's really very enlightening to hear you kind of reframe a lot of these things in a, in a really new written refreshing way. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Of course. It was fun. Absolutely. All right, everyone. So I hope you have a great weekend and be well.